welcome to Medically Speaking in the Morning here on WATR 1320 AM. I am Jennifer Clement, Corporate Communications Specialist for St. Mary's Hospital. And it's my privilege to be sitting in today for Robin Sills, who regularly hosts our programs for St. Mary's Hospital here on WATR 1320 AM. Our program today is sponsored by St. Mary's Spirit of Women Network, and we are joined by our expert, Dr. Jim Uberti, excuse me, of Franklin Medical Group. Dr. Uberti is a board-certified specialist in internal medicine with primary care partners in Prospect. He received his medical degree from the University of Connecticut, where I also went to school, and completed his residency training in internal medicine at St. Mary's, where he has been a member of the medical staff since 1989. Mm, Long time. That's a great year. Welcome to the program, Dr. Uberti. Good morning, Jennifer. So today we are focusing on breaking bad habits, and when we were talking about this at the office at St. Mary's, we said, wouldn't it be great to do a show on bad habits because it's just after the start of the new year, and we all begin the year by making resolutions. Um, I know I made resolutions. Did you, Dr. Uberti? I did not, but a lot of people do, and, and resolutions are just a, a measure of resolve, Patient, uh, patients, people in general resolve to do something positive for themselves in the coming year. Uh, usually it is breaking a habit or engaging in a, in a healthier behavior. Um, resolutions are almost invariably positive. Nobody goes and says, well, I gained 15 pounds last year because I didn't exercise much and I ate poorly, and I think I'm going to shoot for another 15 this year. And no smoker says, well, I'm up to a pack a day now, but I know if I work at it, I can get up to a pack and a half this coming year. So most of the resolutions are, in fact, uh, positive. And things like, you know, weight loss and, and exercise and eating healthier and quitting smoking and things like that are usually part of the mix. Um, how successful they are, maybe not so much. Well, we did some research on that, actually, and we found out that 41% of people usually make New Year's resolutions, and that means that those people are making resolutions every year. And... Um, that's a fair number of people who start out the year like full of determination and optimism to make a fresh start. But the bad news is, according to Forbes, only 8% of people keep their resolutions. That's, that's a very low number. Those are interesting numbers. I, I, I saw that, I saw the data that you sent. It was, it was interesting. Probably an equal number of people make no resolutions whatsoever. Some people make partial resolutions. But in the end, at the end of the year, very few have stuck to whatever they resolved, you know, to do. And there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for that, um, you know. Basically, we're not obviously we're not meeting our goals. If you look at addiction medicine data, for example, uh, people who go into rehabilitation programs, outpatient or inpatient, or take medications to beat addictions, actually that data is more robust and better. Where people at one year, um, well, anywhere from 15 to let's say the high 20 percent of those people will uh, have uh, will be substance free. So New Year's resolutions seem to be do worse. Uh, than, than even some addiction programs. Um, go ahead. Well, those numbers for addiction are encouraging. Um, I think that that, you know, if anybody out there is struggling with an addiction, they should know that, you know, there is hope and that there are programs out there that can be successful, in fact, more successful than just making a resolution, you know, on your own without any support or any kind of encouragement or enticement to, you know, keep going and sort of stick to it. That's an excellent point. I mean, if you look at habits, they are just a part of an addiction. Um, a hab- it's just An addiction is just a habit that has reached a point where it's really hardwired into the brain, and it's inevitably a bad thing 
um, the, the habit and that particular addiction. And it has really negative impacts in a person's life in terms of their relationships, um, finances, whatever. Um, and in the, with addictions, the reason why there is some measure of success is because they're very structured programs that are very much data-based. With our habits, our news resolutions, we sort of do it hodgepodge, and there's all kinds of strategies, but not really scientifically based, not really well thought out or strategized, and that's why a lot of people fail. I was thinking, too, that maybe um, a good place to start today is the question of what are we resolving to change about ourselves? I mean, maybe we're not making the right resolutions if we can't keep them. I mean, what are some of the things that your patients are talking to you about at this time of year? I think the resolutions are good. I mean, people in America in general is overweight, and and unfortunately a lot of people are. So there's resolutions to lose weight. Um, In terms of losing weight, there's resolutions to eat healthier, to exercise more often. Um, There's obviously always resolutions to quit smoking, which is probably the number one addiction in the country. Um, so those are, so the, the resolutions themselves, what people resolve to do, are good. It's not so much what they select, the behavior that they select to change is, is not a good thing. It's the way they go about it. So, you know, what's holding us back? Why do you think we're failing to meet our goals, and why is it so hard for us to break our bad habits? Well, first of all, we, inter- we need to understand how a habit develops. And obviously, from the time that we are... Um, for the time we evolved as human beings, um, we, we, our responses to our environment and everything else are, are based on good and uh, positive and negative reinforcement. So for the first cave dweller, for example, who was cooking his brontosaurus burger, if he kept sticking his finger in the fire, he stopped doing that. It hurt. It was a negative reinforcement. He stopped that behavior. Um, so first of all, people have to understand that the reason why you developed a habit is because you get some sort of reward, you know, mentally or in some way you get some reward from the behavior. So if somebody, for example, you know, has a couple of donuts every morning and they, they do that because it makes them feel good. If somebody is stressed and they light up a cigarette, well, they're lighting the cigarette because it creates less stress for them. It makes them feel good. So people have to identify that there's something that triggers that behavior um, and there is, um, it becomes a routine. So they respond every time that cue or stress or whatever develops, they respond in that way. And there's a reward. And so until they can identify the behavior and how they get a reward from it, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to not engage in that behavior going forward. Uh, we talk about becoming mindful, um, you know, aware of ourselves and that's going to be important. Why do you have certain cravings? What is the trigger uh, for the habit you have, whether it be smoking or overeating or, or not exercising or whatever the case may be? What's going on in your mind? You have to know that and understand that before you can develop a strategy for stopping that behavior. Is, is the reward piece of it, like with the donuts, is that like a physiological thing or a psychological thing? It, like, it's, How it's, does that work? It's probably both. Um, certainly there's neurotransmitters in the brain that are released when we have we do something that is gratifying to ourselves. It's kind of a feel-good um, chemical in the brain. Uh, so that there's that. And obviously there's various psychological um, cues that we, that we have. Um, cigarette smoking, for example, is usually a combination of some physical addiction to nicotine, obviously, but there's, there is also uh, some psychological addiction. There are many uh, substances, drugs, for example, that 
don't really, you're not physically addicted to, but you're certainly psychologically addicted to. So yeah, there's there's both um, uh, physiologic and non-physiologic uh, rewards. All right. So what can we do to break these bad habits? It sounds like it's going to be really hard to first, especially for stopping smoking or if you're, you know, eating to like make yourself feel better or fill some, you know, maybe emotional need like that. That's really hard. What advice do you give to your patients? Well, first of all, with with our patients, you know, talk to us about it or we need to talk to them more about it. We need as physicians, we need to listen as patients. They need to speak to us about about their what their goals are and then we can kind of guide them. Uh, first of all, you, you, we talked about being mindful, understanding the behavior, talk, you know, really having a talk with yourself about why you do it, what you're getting out of it, and then deciding, okay, how am I going to address that particular uh, behavior? So the, the first thing I would uh, recommend is set goals that are realistic. A lot of people set these generalized goals, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this coming year. And a lot of times that's difficult. Um, not realistic, or I'm going to quit smoking in the next three weeks, something like that. Again, probably not realistic. And so you need to um, take really small bites of the apple. And I always you know, tell people, for example, if we're talking about weight loss and somebody truly does want to lose 50 pounds, set a short-term realistic goal of, let's say, 10 pounds in the coming two months and make your strategy to work toward that goal if you achieve that after two months, that's great. Now we'll set another goal for 10 pounds. We're not locked into that New Year's Day type of thing. People get hung up on New Year's resolutions. They fail by the end of January, and they just put it back in the closet until the following January and re have a re-resolution. Instead of just saying, okay, that didn't work out. Let me kind of reset, recalibrate, re-strategize, go for it again. How much do you think it helps to write your goals down? I've just by chance last night I was watching Bridget Jones's diary, the the Bridget Jones movie, and she, you know, at New Year's is like writing in her diary like her weight, how much alcohol she's consuming, how many cigarettes she's smoking, and she's like writing all of this down. But it it didn't seem to be that she set any specific goal. Like she didn't set a goal to lose a certain amount of weight by a certain amount of time or cut her cigarettes down. So does it help to write it down? I think the more general you make the strategy, then probably the less likely you are to succeed. Uh, I think the uh, one, one of the ways you can be successful is being quite definitive with your resolution or um, what you intend to do. And so you actually take out your calendar, take out a notebook, whatever you want to do. Here's my goal. Here's my weight loss goal, for example. Here's the period of time I intend to do it in. This is how I intend to do it. Very, very specific. Um, whether it's you're going to start exercising to assist that weight loss, how many times a week am I going to exercise, what am I going to do, how much time am I going to budget. And you adhere to that like you do any part of your schedule, just like your work schedule. A lot of times I'll tell people regarding exercise, make it part of your daily routine. You go to work every day from 8 to 5. Well, you know what? From 5.15 to 5.45, you're going to exercise. That's going to be part of your daily regimen. You have to be that specific in order to have a really uh, reasonable chance for success. Then it's after that, it's tracking, it's measuring, um, giving yourself feedback, showing that, okay, the first two weeks of January, I've lost five pounds. Terrific. You, you, you mark that down. So even putting it in your calendar, you know, your work calendar, like I'm going to the gym on this day from this time to this time, and that way nothing else can interfere with that because you've already put it in your calendar and you've already committed to it, at least in your head. 
Yeah, I think it's very important. It, again, it becomes almost like an obligation in that, hey, this is I committed to this. I'm doing this every day. It's no different than working a half hour overtime. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and and all, let's face it, some of these devices that we, you know, you can Google or the apps you can put on your phone, they're they're all based on more structured feedback. What's a Fitbit? A Fitbit is just some feedback on your wrist. How much activity do I have today? And you can measure it. And you say, well, just I only took ten thousand steps. So I'm going to go for fifteen thousand steps tomorrow. Um, it, it's all it's all feedback. But the more feedback you get, the more measurables you have. Then it, the easy it is to adhere to whatever your resolution is. And and there, going back to the smoking, you said that there were some strategies that people could use to quit smoking. Yeah, there, I mean, there's 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 a whole bunch. Obviously, a lot of people will come to our office, us being internists, and they want to know the magic medication that's going to work. Uh, and that's for weight loss, that's for smoking, for all kinds of things. There's no magic medication that's going to work for everybody. They're all adjuncts to a strategy for quitting. So uh, for smoking, for example, if somebody is a pretty heavy smoker, they may need some nicotine, replace, nicotine replacement therapy, a patch or something similar. There's other pharmaceutical medications that may assist uh, with some of the cravings of smoking. The most important thing, though, is just begin to decrease your dependence on nicotine. So a lot of times uh, a really simple strategy is for, let's say we have a pack-a-day smoker, which is 20 cigarettes. I don't smoke, but I guess there's 20 cigarettes in the pack. Um, we have them cut down to 18. They only could put 18 cigarettes in that particular pack, and that's what they carry around for the next couple of weeks. If they want to smoke all 18 before noontime, well, that's their strategy, but more than more, more likely they're going to spread it out throughout the day. You reduce to 16, 14, et cetera, and you can see how that goes. And eventually they've tapered down the cigarettes substantially, and therefore they've decreased their physical, their physical addiction to nicotine. And this is while they're addressing all the other behavioral aspects of smoking, because it's not as simple as just being physically addicted to nicotine. And they're also changing their routine, right? So they're going to go out for fewer cigarette, cigarette breaks during the day if they're at work or if they're in their car. Like they, They're going to have less opportunities to smoke because they have fewer cigarettes on them. So you, you, would, you would hope, but that's part of the mindfulness that we talked about before you even embark on this strategy. One thing we always ask you know, people to do is, okay, if I said you absolutely have to quit um, by March or whatever the case may be, you have to quit, what would be the biggest obstacles to you quitting? And I, I try to force them to think about that and say, okay, when do, they, so when do you actually when do you have to have a cigarette? Is it first thing in the morning? Is it after a cup of coffee? Is it when you socialize with coworkers? Uh, is it when you insist on going out on break with your coworkers who do smoke? So identify those obstacles. Those are going to be issues that are going to arise as you attempt to quit smoking, for example. What are you going to do about it? Plan that out in advance. Plan it out in advance. If you have a strategy to deal with it, I think you'll do well. Someone told me that Deepak, Deepak <laughs> Chopra said that you should wait five minutes. <laughs> if you get a craving to smoke a cigarette, wait five minutes. And in, if in five minutes you don't have that craving anymore, go ahead and have the cigarette. But at least you gave yourself that chance, that five minutes, to change your mind and change your behavior. That could be a good strategy for some. First of all, it's, it's, it's forcing people to identify a cue. All right? they, they feel that urge to smoke, that craving to smoke. Um, and, and so that's good. But again, I, I need to stress it's not, you know, DPAC is not going to be for everybody. <laughs> it's not one size fits all in any kind of strategy. Strategies are highly individualized. What works for one person, one patient, is not going to work for everybody. All right. Well, we are here on the radio with um, WATR 1320 AM. 
Medically speaking, in the morning, I think we're going to a commercial break. If you have a question for Dr. Uberti or you want to talk about your bad habits and how to break them, you can call us here in the studio at 203-757-1320. That's 203-757-1320. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Medically Speaking in the Morning here on WATR 1320 AM, sponsored by St. Mary's Spirit of Women Network. I'm Jennifer Clement from St. Mary's Marketing Department, and I am here today with Dr. Jim Uberti from Primary Care Partners in Prospect, and we are talking about breaking bad habits. Um, just before we went to commercial, we were talking about some strategies for breaking bad habits. Um, my resolution this year for New Year's was to drink more water, um, and last year was the same resolution. So I asked my husband to buy me this really nice, expensive glass water bottle, which um, sat in the closet most days. So some days it works better than others. Um, but then I recently I read a tip in Cooking Light magazine, and they suggest that you put a few rubber bands around your water bottle at the start of the day, fill it up, and then every time you finish the bottle, you get to remove a band. So it becomes a game, and I think it's more effective than just saying, I need to drink more water. And your water bottle is always full because after you finish it, you put more water in it and you have it right in front of you. And I think it makes it a little bit easier. So I've been playing with that a little bit and trying to stay hydrated, which I'm sure Dr. Uberti could tell us is important for your health and wellness. Sure. Well, congratulations on your success so far. But you, you highlight one of the one of the issues, which is taking something, a general resolution, making it much more specific and having a very specific strategy to help you. And so that's working, uh, at least at least so far. Um, the only thing I would emphasize is drinking more water, most people would probably view, uh, has a relatively easy resolution. Drinking water is not that hard, except you may have to visit the bathroom a little bit more often. Um, on the other hand, we have other uh, habits that are a little more difficult. That said, we urge people to start with something easy. And, and by that I mean an easy strategy to follow. And whether that involves smoking or increasing exercise or weight loss, take on something that's not going to be overwhelming. And so if, it's, if you've never exercised before, don't plan on doing a 5K, a winter 5K in February. Go and increase your activity gradually. Try to build up slowly. Um, after that, once, you, once you've mastered some simple things, then you go on to more challenging and, and more difficult, um, addressing more difficult uh, to change behaviors or more difficult strategies. But start slow, go easy, Give yourself a good chance uh, for success. The other, the other piece uh, that we'd recommend is support systems. Um, you're not out there alone. If you're going to engage in behavior such as I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to stop smoking, tell everybody. Tell your family, your spouse, significant other. Uh, tell your coworkers. Um, rally as many people around you as possible. First of all, they'll hold you kind of. They'll hold you accountable. You're not going to be accountable yourself. You're sort of accountable to them because they may inquire, how are you doing? More importantly, they'll give you support. And there, there's nothing like support. There's whole diet plans based on peer, peer support, if not peer pressure. And so engage people. Use people around you to help you achieve your goal. And if anything, it could make some of us feel a little bit more guilty if we haven't lived up to the expectations of our friends and family. The accountability piece, sure. I believe we have a caller. Hi, you're on the air. Uh, good morning. Good morning. A very nice show. 
Thank you. Uh, very busy businessman, very good at achieving all my goals in business and exercise, etc. How could you help me to uh, do home chores such as clean the basement, clean the closet, get my home <laughs> order? Um, I think my wife would like to call call you. Uh, can you want to give a number afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's it's the same sort of thing. You, first of all, you have to analyze, well, why are you avoiding doing it? What, what's Too what you, busy. Too busy and not making time for it, I think. Okay. So at least you, you've identified the obstacle, right? In advance, you've thought about it and said, well, I know I need this. Need, this has to be done. I'm not getting to it. Why? Because I'm too busy. Well, are you going 24-7 in your business? Probably not. I think if you, set, if you set, wrote something out on paper, your whole daily schedule, when you have free time, when you don't, etc. I think you'll find that you can incorporate time. Will it be enough time, for example, to clean the entire basement? No, of course not. But do you have 10 minutes to budget, 20 minutes, a half hour? Whatever you can budget that kind of starts you on the road to that goal is a good thing. You're identifying the problem. You're identifying the obstacle. You're setting a simple strategy, and you start going for it. And don't forget the reward. What's the reward if he cleans out the basement? Oh, that's a good question. Either he, like, he likes a clean basement, maybe he's got a happy partner, whatever the case may be. Well, thank you. I just hope that Robin Sills doesn't send me a big invoice for this call. <laughs> oh, no. Bye. No, thank you. Take care. So we were also talking earlier about apps that you can use to help track your progress. I think um, somebody said that if you Google whatever it is that you want to change, there might be an app for that. Um, so I know that there's apps out there for meditation. Um, if that's something that you want to do to try to start your day, you could just sit down and do a guided meditation for 10 minutes. Um, there's all kinds of apps out there um, that can help you get to the gym and get more exercise and you know do all kinds of things to improve your health and wellness, and I think that's the whole point of all this. There's, there's thousands, if not millions, of self-help strategies out there on the Internet. Some of them are quite safe and founded in science and and probably good for people some maybe not i would urge people to talk with their uh, physicians especially if it's a health uh, behavior that planning to change like smoking like weight loss like increasing exercise uh to maybe plan that strategy so you know that it's it's physically uh safe for you the other thing i need to emphasize too is you know not everybody is going to be successful immediately um we tell our children, if you fall down, dust yourself off, get up, do it again. We need to we need to behave that way as adults. Um, I, what I don't, what I hear all the time, and you don't really want people to do is, they make a resolution, they make their strategy, they start out in a strategy, doesn't work for them for whatever reason, or or reasons, uh, they fail. Instead of just recalibrating, reconfiguring the strategy, rethinking the strategy analyzing why they failed, they say, well, you know what, I'm just going to wait till next New Year's, and I'm going to do it all, I'm going to wait until then, and really engage in the poor habit for the rest of the year. Things don't start and stop on New Year's Day. There is no reason in the world why, why you cannot uh, undertake one of these strategies for breaking a bad habit at any time during the year. Well, I think that's some really great advice, and um, I'm sure your patients really appreciate it when you talk to them about that, because I think it is good to have encouragement and support. Um, and I think a lot of the strategies, you know, that we've been talking about today involve having, you know, some type of support system, um, 
even even if it's as simple as getting a walking buddy to go out with you in the morning. We do have some resources um, that could help further that a little bit. Um, if you're interested in quitting smoking, the Harold Lever Cancer Center here in Waterbury has a new smoking cessation program that's just starting. They are meeting on Thursday evenings from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. And the program is led by our good friend and community educator, Sandy Michelizzi, who's an APRN. The cost is just $25, and I'll give you the number to call if you want to grab a pencil and paper to jot it down. It's um, 203-575-5573. That's the number at the Lever Cancer Center, 203-575-5573. And then um, we talked a little bit about people who um, are seriously obese. Um, They have comorbidities like diabetes and high blood pressure and, you know, really... For some people, they've tr- already tried diet and exercise. They've tried everything, and um, they're in need of a permanent weight loss solution, which is surgical weight loss. Um, St. Mary's does offer a free seminar each month, and the next one is on Monday, February 13th from 6 to 7 p.m. You can meet St. Mary's surgeons Dr. Aziz Ritchie, Dr. Shady Macaron, and Dr. Shohan Shetty. They'll answer all of your questions and help you determine if surgical weight loss is uh, the right choice for you. I can give you the number to call to register for the seminar. That is 203-709-7722. That's 203-709-7722. You can also go online and register at www.thefirststepbeginshere.com. So at St. Mary's Spirit of Women Network, we are trying to make it easier for you to achieve all of your goals this year. And so we have something for you today called Do One Thing. Our do one thing for today is if you have a bad habit, ask for help from your primary care provider who can help recommend a course of action. Um, If you are a member of our Spirit of Women Network, you will be uh, receiving a goal-setting sheet by email that can help you achieve all of your goals for 2017. If you're interested in signing up, just visit stmh.org and click on Spirit of Women in the upper left-hand corner of the page. I want to thank Dr. Jim Uberti from Primary Care Partners in Prospect and Franklin Medical Group for being with us today and sharing all of his advice on breaking bad habits. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all, all of you and our listening audience for joining us on Medically Speaking in the morning here on WATR Radio, 1320 AM. I assure you that Robin Sills will be back on the air next Wednesday, January 18th. We'll be back with Medically Speaking, sponsored by St. Mary's Hospital. And we thank all of you for choosing St. Mary's Hospital for your health care needs. St. Mary's Hospital, where we provide exceptional care for every patient every day. Mm-hmm.